Especially in America, people have so much. Whether it's opportunities, possessions, or freedoms, you are abundantly blessed. Today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that God gave you all you have, even your abilities and giftings, so that you can be a blessing to others. And though you benefit from these things, God wants you to look around and see how you can use what He's given you to serve and bless the people you cross paths with. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 8 as he continues his message, Lamps and Levites. The idea here is for these Levites, they're getting cleansed with water and then they're getting their whole body shaved as if they're starting all over again. It's all starting again. And then they wash their clothes. And then we begin with the offerings. You have the young bull with its grain offering, a fine flour. And we did all of this in the book of Leviticus. You can check out our sacrifice series from the book of Leviticus. We went through all the different sacrifices, what they mean, how they work, how we don't understand some of them and how it all worked. But the idea here is we've gone through all these and we begin the elaborate sacrificial rituals. Now, again, why is this important? You're saying, okay, so Fusco, we're here, it's... 21st century, what does this all have to do with us? Because when John the Baptist saw Jesus, said, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The foundation of that is the Jewish atonement system that a lamb was taken as a substitute for the death of a person. And we can't understand the death of Jesus Christ on a cross until we understand God's willingness to accept a substitute in the place of the offending party. And that's a powerful reality. So although this seems archaic and and what's wave offering and what about the fine flour and oil? I mean, they're making a good Italian loaf or what's going on here? The idea here is we're saying, God, because you have been offended by my life, this is what I give to appease you because I realize that I've wronged you. Why? Because forgiveness always costs. It always costs somebody something. And so the idea of the substitutionary atonement, it's all right here. Now notice what happens. In verse 9, it says, You shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall gather together the whole congregation of the children of Israel. So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites, and Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel. Now, you see what's going on here. The idea of laying hands on them. The idea is that the whole congregation is transferring, in a sense, their guilt onto the Levites. And Aaron is offering the Levites as a type of a sacrificial offering for the children of Israel. It's kind of powerful. They're setting them apart for the work of the ministry. And they're saying, look, we transfer our mistakes onto them. And in a sense, the Levites are being offered 
for the children of Israel. And then look what happens in verse 12. Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls, and you shall offer one as a sin offering and one as a burnt offering. So the children of Israel, they're laying it on to the Levites, and then the Levites are laying it on to the animals. So again, you see the idea of the mediator. The Levites now are functioning as a picture of a mediator. Now, verse 15, look what it says. After that, the Levites shall go in to service the tabernacle of meeting. So you shall cleanse them and offer them like a wave offering. For they are wholly given to me from among the children of Israel. I have taken them for myself instead of all who opened the womb, the firstborn of all the children of Israel. For all the firstborn among the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast, on the day that I struck the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them to myself. I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn of the children of Israel. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel to do the work for the children of Israel in the tabernacle of meeting and to make atonement for the children of Israel that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come near the sanctuary. Now, what we find here is that the Levites function as a substitute for the firstborn of the children of Israel. Now, remember, the 10th plague in the book of Exodus is the what? The death of the firstborn, right? And the lamb... Blood was on the doorpost and the angel of death passed over. And so God, in effect, says, because the first fruits are always mine, the first fruits of the womb is always mine. He's saying, so I will take the Levites in the place of the first fruits as it relates to the children of Israel and the ministry. Now, we've said it before, we say it again. The idea of the first fruits is a biblical principle that the first of everything is the Lord's. Why? Because everything is the Lord's, and you only ask for the first fruits. Now, I realize we live in a day and age when you start talking about first fruits and church people get freaked out. Why? Because we're all greedy. That's why. We don't want anyone to tell us what to do with our money except for the fact that it ain't our money and it never was. It's the Lord's money. And the best thing you can do for your checkbook, your online statement is realize that that isn't yours. It's the Lord's. And I think for too many of us, we have so many financial struggles because we actually think it's ours. Just the way we have so many life troubles because we think our lives are ours. And they're not. Our lives are the Lord's. We were bought at a price. And the totality of our lives need to be involved in that. And all through the Bible you find the first fruits is the Lord's. Why? Because you don't own your field. You borrow it from the Lord. You don't own your vocation. That's on loan from the Lord. Not one gift that one of us possesses we invented. Everything we have is a gift on loan from the Lord, and we are stewarding our lives. So if you're the most amazing mathematician who ever lived, you didn't invent math, you didn't invent your brain, you didn't invent the ability to be able to do math. God gave that as a gift that we steward on his behalf, that it's his, we just get to enjoy it. For those of you who are parents, I'm here to tell you, your kids are not yours, they're the Lord's. You just get to raise them for them. Your spouse is really not yours. That's the Lord's. And you just get to be their companion through life. Whatever your skill set is, it's really not yours. It's the Lord's. And the Lord is like, look, that is mine. And I want you to steward that or be faithful in exercising the authority over that for my glory. 
And God asks for our first fruits to continually remind us that our trust should never be in the bottom line of our online statement or our checkbook or our wallet. Our trust should always be in the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And that's old school way of saying God is filthy rich. Cattle on a thousand hills back in the day involves owning a thousand hills, which I don't care where you live. If you own a thousand hills, you're doing all right, right? And if you actually have cattle on a thousand hills, back in biblical times, owning cattle on a thousand hills would be like you have your own hedge fund and it's yours. I have millions of shares of thousands of stocks. That's cattle on a thousand hill added up. And so when it says that God owns cattle on a thousand hills, we have to constantly learn that our paycheck is not what provides for us, but it's God and God will use the paycheck. But really, God's the provider, and he's always been the provider. And so when we see the first fruits, we don't want to ever neglect that principle. And many people here can tell you of lives of, hey, I didn't honor God with my resources, and then I did, and how different life is. Because when you choose to honor God with your financial resources, it takes all the stress out of it. Because anytime you get in trouble, you're like, well, Lord, I've been honoring you, so I don't, like, you got to work this out. And you know what happens when you do that? God always works it out. It makes no sense, and it makes total sense. It's like saying, I don't understand why I have to pay for car insurance. When you get in an accident or you get somebody hits you and they flee on the scene, you're grateful you have car insurance, right? You're like, yeah, I wasted all that money. No, you didn't. Because when something goes wrong, the insurance company should step up and take care of it. And God is beyond the most amazing insurance plan because he's God. And it seems like it makes no sense, but it makes total sense. And so the Levites are set apart as the first fruits for the children of Israel. So instead of the children of Israel giving their firstborn of their families and everything to the service of the Lord, God's like, I take the Levites in their place. And the Levites I give to Aaron and his sons for the service of the tabernacle of meeting. So everybody has their roles and their jobs and the things that God is trying to do. Now, I do love verse 19. Look at, I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel to do the work for the children of Israel in the tabernacle of meeting and to make atonement for the children of Israel that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come near the sanctuary. Now, you notice the repetition of, and the children of Israel? Listen, anytime the Holy Spirit is redundant, it's because he doesn't want us to miss the reality that God gave a group of people for the blessing of a group of people. My friends, God has blessed you so that you might be a blessing to people. You realize that. That's what he told Abraham. The Great Commission, God said, look, go, and I'm going to bless you, and in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And I'm here to tell you that the reason God has blessed our lives is that we would be a blessing to the world. And so often I think we like, God has blessed me because I'm blessed and I'm just going to enjoy it all. And we forget to translate God's blessing and push it outward in the name of faith and say, God, because you have blessed me, I'm going to go bless people. God, because you have done a work in my life, I'm actually going to go serve people for their blessing. And I'm going to hope that they realize who God is through the sacrifice I make. See, the children of Israel get God's blessing because God gave them the Levites. And I believe God ordained the church of Jesus Christ, church with a big C, to be a blessing to the world that doesn't yet know God. So we always want to say, God, I want to be able to live out loud in response to who you are and what you've done. I want to live out loud because that's exactly what the Levites are doing here. 
The Levites are a blessing to the children of Israel. Now, verse 20. Thus Moses and Aaron and the congregation of the children of Israel did to the Levites according to all that the Lord commanded. Moses concerning the Levites, so the children of Israel did to them. And the Levites purified themselves and washed their clothes. Then Aaron presented them like a wave offering before the Lord. And Aaron made atonement for them to cleanse them. After the Levites went to do their work in the tabernacle of meeting before Aaron and his sons, as the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so they did to them. Now, what does this mean? They were obedient. Didn't I tell you that every time we see this, we're going to stop and we're going to say, don't miss the fact that God said, I want you to do all these things. And what did they do? They did all these things. Now, I think it's important that we point it out because we're going to get into the next series in the book of Numbers that we're going to call Wilderness. And they're in the wilderness because spiritually they're in the wilderness. And what are you going to find over and over again? They're not obeying the Lord. They're doing everything they're not supposed to do. And I think sometimes we forget that the children of Israel in the Old Testament, didn't do everything wrong. They actually did a lot of things right. They just weren't faithful. So you have these moments here where God says, I want you to do all these things, and they do it, and then they're going to have other times where they're not going to do it. But at this point, everything that they were asked to do, right down the line, they did it, they did it, they did it, they did it, and it honored God. And I'm here to ask you the question, are you being obedient to what God has asked of you? Are you saying, yes, Lord? Because that's what obedience is. Obedience is saying, yes, Lord. Okay, I'll do it, Lord. But the thing is, if you are saying, no, Lord, then, as I've always said, no, Lord is an oxymoron, right? You can't call him Lord and say no to him, because if you say no to the Lord, then he's not the Lord, you're the Lord. You're saying it's my way, not your way. So you have to say, Lord, search my heart. And if you've been disobedient, and let's be honest, we all have in different ways, right? It's not one of us like really nailed it today, right? You got everything right, right down the line. Everything went perfect. You thought all the right things. You did all the right things. You acted all the right ways. You were nice all the right ways. None of us were. So we all come and say, Lord, I want to be simply obedient to you. I want to just say, yes, Lord. Okay, Lord. You want me to love? Sure. Teach me how. You want me to be kind? Okay. Teach me how. You want me to not send that nasty response? Okay, Lord. Teach me to be okay with that. And all the other things that are in our lives, we all need to learn how to be simply obedient. Know what I love it? You know, people say, well, it's not so simple, but it really is. It really is. How many of you were here when I told you about how good my son was doing in school? As you hear, he totally lied about that. He did. He straight up colored over. He was, he was actually in trouble that day. He totally lied. They know I bring that up. Not so you think that the pastor's kid's a total, like, he's a dropout. But you know why I share it with you? Because we all do that kind of stuff, don't we? How many of us right now are sitting there, I'm saying, be simply obedient. Like, yeah, I'm so obedient, but you're totally not. And you ain't fooling anybody. Isn't it true? I mean, so many of us are like, oh, yeah, I hope my husband's listening to this one right now. Because the Lord said, no eight hours of football on Sunday. That's not the Sabbath day. Or whatever. <laughs> you know? But it's so easy. And, and I bring my son. I, I call my son because I tell him, like, man, buddy, you got to stop learning from your mom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Those of you who know my wife know that. <laughs> That's not my sweetie, you know? But, but it's like, 
I found out the next day, he told, like he totally wasn't honest about that. And I said, I'm like, buddy, man, if I can't trust your words, he's like, I know if you can't trust my words, then how, do you, how can you trust me? And I'm like, look, I want to be able to trust you. And I'm like, man, how am I going to know in the future? He's like, I'll be honest with you. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. But you know what's funny? I told him, like, buddy, you know what's expected. I'm like, listen, it's one thing not to do okay in school. It's a whole other thing to lie about it. It's a whole other thing. And you know what? It really is simple to be obedient, isn't it? We, each one of you know what your heavenly father expects because he loves you. And he's saying, look, I want the best for you. And it's not like trying to figure out what the Father wants. He wants us to be living the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Like, we learned on the first day, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all that you are. And what's the second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, this isn't rock and science. It's like, okay, God wants me to love him and love people. And when I love people, I'm living out the fruit of the Spirit, and I don't want to avoid joy and kindness and peace and all these things. And you're like, yeah. And then we go out, and we're all mean sometimes. Just nasty. See, being obedient really is simple if we don't overthink it. And I love it when the children of Israel, when they get it right, I'm like, oh, so good. And then when they get it wrong, I'm like, I'm just like them. Right? Isn't that why Peter's one of the apostles, I think? I think God invited Peter to be apostle just so I feel good about it. Because, like, Peter's got foot and mouth disease, right? Like, every, like, and that's my life. It's like, you, you just, you know, all I do is you just take the shoe out of one, you put the other shoe in the mouth. You say something else dumb. You know what I mean? It's like, but you see, this is God's man. But he's all jacked up. He doesn't get it all right. He makes all these crazy mistakes. But the key is, is that it doesn't matter what yesterday was or earlier today. We just need to say, God, I just want to be simply obedient. I want to do what you ask me to do. Look at how this chapter closes. Verse 23. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is what pertains to the Levites. From 25 years old and above, one may enter to perform the service in the work of the tabernacle of meeting. At the age of 50 years, they must cease performing this work, and they shall work no more. They may minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of meeting to attend to needs, but they themselves shall do no work. Thus you shall do to the Levites regarding their duties. So now what we have, we close this chapter with a reminder of the age restrictions. Now, if you were with us in Numbers chapter 4, remember the age restriction was what? 30 to 50, right? So you say, well, this is 25. Is the Bible mistaken? No, because you come on five years and you're, you apprentice for five years. Right? So you have five years of on-the-job training. That's when you become a fully-fledged, credentialed Levite, and you do your ministry for 20 full years, and then at the age of 50, notice what it says. You don't have to stop doing it, but you do it differently. Why? Because at 50, then you become a mentor for the next generation. Now, we can call it mentorship. We can call it apprenticeship. The Bible calls it what? Discipleship. It calls it discipleship which means God wants people to pour into people. God wants older people to teach younger people how to follow Jesus. And God wants people to be involved in the work of the ministry, realizing that there are different seasons in the work that God has called us to. So, I mean, I don't want to be all legalistic about the time, but I like the idea of we have a time of apprenticeship where we're learning what we're doing, and then we have a time of full engagement, and then some time happens when we say, I still got 
gas in the tank. I still got tread on the tires, but now I'm going to pour into the next generation so that the next generation rises on up and takes the work of ministry. Now, this is what I want to say as I'm closing this out here. Discipleship happens best in the context of mission. The things that you want to learn in your walk with Jesus almost always takes place in the context of service. And what I have found is that in a consumeristic society like ours, so many people want to grow in Jesus, but nobody wants to devote any time to service. Like, I'll be honest, a church the size of Crossroads, we should never have a need for servants. But I'm here to tell you, we need folks in, in kids' ministry. We need people in student ministries. We need greeters and ushers. I mean, we need camera people. I mean, every guy likes to play with a camera. You know, but it's like, why don't we have it? Because I think people forget that the discipleship happens in the context of service. We need people to serve the Lord and serve people because something happens when you roll up your sleeves and you take a step of faith. I was talking to a brother. He's like, I, I think I'm going to do student ministry. I don't know what I should do. I'm like, just do it. He's like, I don't, I'm like, just do it. I, it's so funny. He couldn't get away. I'm just do it. And so funny. I saw him last week and he's like, thank you so much for just not letting me give you excuses. He's like, God's doing a work in my life. Why? Because he's out of his comfort zone serving. He doesn't, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's great. And people are pouring into my life and I'm making friends. So, brothers and sisters, listen. The growth that you really want is not going to happen only from receiving the word in a worship service and worshiping. It really happens in the context of service. Find areas to serve. Because you know what happens when you're serving and put in all sorts of situations with all sorts of people that you can't control, and every single one of them is a learning lesson from Jesus. Every single one of them is. And because it's a learning lesson, it's hard and it's challenging. And it's like, I don't know if I can do this. You can't put Jesus in, you can, and he wants to. Take a step of faith. And if you're, if you're saying, look, so Fusco, I'm older now, then pour into younger people. Pour, we, the younger generation needs the influence of our older brothers and sisters. Older women need to pour into younger women. Older men need to pour into younger men. That's what our Bible teaches us, because that's what real good families do. The older elders teach the youngins how to do it right. And we need that, don't we? We all do. Jesus is real. Today on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel encouraged you to cultivate a willingness to be simply obedient to the Lord. You were reminded that this means that you just keep moving forward, one foot in front of the other, in the things God is asking you to do. Pastor Daniel also reminded you that God wants his people to pour into other people. You have the awesome privilege of learning about God and each other as you serve together. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, 
Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. And my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that the Israelites were continually reminded of how God rescued them from bondage in Egypt because of the Passover lamb. You'll see how you no longer need a mediator between you and God because Jesus stands in the gap for you. Pastor Daniel will remind you that the role of a pastor isn't to be a mediator, but to help you hear and follow Jesus as you grow in your faith. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Camp. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.